your tray table is in an upright and locked position and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday, April 22nd. That means it's also Earth Day. And I think Earth Day for me, I don't know why, it has been a great reminder that the Earth is pretty damn awesome. You know, I know we're down right now a little bit because we're trapped in quarantine and there's a virus that everybody thinks is going to end the Earth. But it's pretty amazing that we live here on this floating block of rock in the sky uh, while, you know, seeing the beautiful things. This makes no fucking sense. What am I talking about? Earth is awesome. I'm not going to get all philosophical with it. That's all you need to know. But I think Earth Day also is a great reminder that there are some amazing people on this Earth. Today's episode of Destination Different, we have Derek McDonald. Derek was one of the first interviews that, we've, that I've done in the while in a while that was totally blind. Never met him before, never spoke to him before. You know, just went in and we had an incredible conversation and uh, was so refreshing to hear from him and uh, hear him tell his story. So Derek is uh, you grew up in the northeast of the United States, uh, but has since moved out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where in the winter he is a ski and snowboard guide uh, Jackson Hole Resort but in the summers and springs he is a writer and a public speaker on the writing side he started his own site called the Expedition Journal where he uh, documents not only his outdoor experiences but also those of some of the greatest outdoor adventurists and athletes in the world Um, and on the public speaking side it was fascinating to hear from him as There's not many people that I know in their 20s who are getting paid to go around the country and speak. Uh, So Derek's experience with that has been pretty incredible. Um, He travels to a number of different middle schools, high schools, even colleges uh, to tell the story of, you know, his own upbringing and how the outdoor adventure world has sort of shaped his mindset. Um, But at the same time, he sort of discusses his Uh, some of his struggles with his mental health and how um, outdoor recreation has helped impact that and really shape the the career trajectory that he has chosen and the the mindset that really anything is is possible and um, you can just tell by listening to him that he's incredibly genuine and and has a really really positive impact on uh, the students and young adults that he speaks to on a on a regular basis so I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Destination Different. I had an absolute blast talking to Derek. I wish we could cut in the like 25 minutes after the interview ended that we just were shooting the shit, but we won't. We'll just try and get you straight to the interview. It's still gold. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Destination Different with Derek McDonald. Enjoy. First question, we'll start you off with an easy one. Uh, 
what do you say to the people who would just say that you're a, a ski bum from Jackson Hole? I would say to those people that um, I guess in, in some regard, they're not wrong, but um, also they probably don't know what a typical ski bum in Jackson Hole actually looks like. And then I don't even know if I classify myself as your run of the mill ski bum. Um, I definitely relate to people who I think take a lot of pride in being called ski bums, but mm -hmm. I also think that I have a lot of differences than just your normal ski bum, if you will. Yeah. So, so you grew up on the, you grew up on the East coast and grew up skiing. It sounds like in, in Vermont quite a bit, what made you make the move out to, out to Jackson and go out to Wyoming to kind of settle down after, after school? Yeah, I, um, I grew up in Massachusetts. I went to the university of Vermont and I had come out to Jackson on a, like a trip with my mom when I was like eight, um, mm -hmm. checked out Yellowstone, did the, the national park thing. And, um, I think somewhere along the lines just had the Tetons like burned into the back of my brain. And, mm -hmm. um, when I was in college, I actually spent a summer out here leading backcountry trips for a company. And then after that summer, it was kind of game over. <laughs> it was like, cool. Yeah, like, I'm once never I'm, leaving here. Yeah, once I'm, once I'm done with school, uh, I think I'll head, head out. And um, I actually ended up moving from Burlington to Lander, Wyoming, before I made the jump up to Jackson. And I worked for a company called Knowles in their marketing department. So that's, that's how I actually made the jump to Wyoming initially. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so now you, what you're doing, it seems like you kind of got a, a smorgasbord of jobs. Um, so you've done some <laughs> stuff. Uh, it's like, is it, do you have like one main thing that it kind of encapsulates the bulk of your time or is it sort of a, a mix between, I know you do some speaking stuff. You obviously do like the writing stuff. And then mm -hmm. uh, from what I understand, you're like, are you still doing backcountry trips or you're working in the mountains? Like how does that go right now? Yeah. Um, well, when we're not dealing with coronavirus, um, I am an a snowboard instructor at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort full time in the winters. Um, and then the, the off seasons. So like April, May, June, and then summer picks up big in, in mm -hmm. Jackson and then off season again in like October, November. And those off seasons provide a good space for me to travel and do public speaking stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, I would say the winter season is kind of what I build the rest of my schedule around. Gotcha. And so are you is, is it exactly how I'd imagine that you're like a snowboard instructor, you're teaching kids how to snowboard or are you teaching like guys that want to learn how to throw backflips? Like what level of instructor are you? Yeah. Um, a little bit of everything. Um, this was my 10th year teaching both skiing and snowboarding started in Massachusetts and then Vermont and then out here. Um, and like went through kind of the, the process to get my certifications for those things. And so um, I'd say more often than not, I work with adult clients that like want to see the cool shit in Jackson. Mm. They're like take me to the goods and let's jump off some, some stuff. And um, sometimes people come in and they like just want to be shown around. Other times they come in and they're like, really want to learn how to do moguls 
Yeah. And you're like, okay. And then like, as you start working on something, inevitably they, they see me do something or somebody else do something and they're like, Hey, what about that? And then mm-hmm. it just kind of evolves into this learning, writing progression of write a little bit, learn a little bit and hopefully have fun. The whole point of snowboarding is to have a good time. So if you're not having fun, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Are these like private lessons that you're doing or is it more in a group setting? Yeah. So, um, Jackson offers, I mean, most ski resorts offer uh, a couple different of like products. You can sign up for a half day group lesson or a full day group lesson and you kind of get thrown in with whoever else signed up that day. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a big, um, like private lessons component to Jackson where it's almost, I would compare it to like being an account manager. Um, Jackson oversees the whole process and they're the ones who are, you know, following up on payment and, and liability and everything mm-hmm. falls with them. But the instructors like end up accruing these clients over years that just keep traveling back to Jackson mm-hmm. during breaks or like that, you know, they come out with a company trip and they meet an instructor. And then next time they come to Jackson, they use the same instructor. And so, uh, as you build up a, a client list, you kind of create your own schedule and just book it through the office at Jackson, but you're not actually like showing up and, and reporting to your boss every day. Right. Gotcha. So, it, yeah. So it's sort of dependent on, oh, this guy who's been coming out and snowboarding with me for six years is planning his winter trip and he's coming out February 20th. I'm going to be, I know I'm going to be working those days. Like, is that kind of how it, how it goes? Yeah. Um, and then oftentimes instructors will kind of work together. Uh, there's like a network of, you know, instructors that have been there for a number of years and they're like, Hey, I typically ski or snowboard with this family that's coming out. Um, their family friend or, mm-hmm. you know, their, their, acquaintance is coming out and they recommended me, but I'm not available. Do you want to work with them? And so there's a lot of overlap scheduling of like, you end up kind of booking your colleagues on these other things. Um, and just, you know, kind of checking in with the office and being like, Hey, we're doing it this day, this day, and this day. And then the office like records it and then follows up with the people for payment, but you're kind of running your own schedule. That's kind of nice. And so does that give you the freedom to, snowboard or ski or whatever on your own every day or as much as you'd want pretty much um yes and no uh there's definitely a component of like if you want to work you can work and if you don't you don't mm-hmm. um if you don't work you're not making money but if you're not working and it happens to be a storm cycle and you have like you know a bunch of new snow and you get to go play it's not the worst thing ever so um yeah and it's pretty it's pretty cool because a lot of times there's just i mean jackson in particular i'm sure other places are like this but there's a lot of people who work in town not necessarily at the resort mm-hmm. and so like you just have this network of friends where everybody has different work schedules so everybody's time off is different so like right. not like you always have saturday and sunday off and can go meet up with whoever and ski but the benefit is say you like suddenly aren't working on a Tuesday and Wednesday, 
there's likely somebody else in town who's, that off, yeah. who's off too and you guys just go shred pow so it's cool it's fun it's it doesn't sound it certainly doesn't sound terrible have you run no. into <laughs> have you run into a two-part question one okay. have you run into i imagine like jackson is probably a breeding ground for some famous vacationers or you know things of that nature have you run into any sort of celebrity clients in your travels thus far your jackson working uh yeah i mean there's i think there's a two-part answer uh one is you know you, you definitely get your like a-list celebrities that come through i mean kim and kanye are have become kind of staples here they just uh-huh. land wyoming and so like you definitely see big names like that um i think if you live in jackson and are are local and are big into the ski and snowboard industry um because of, it's such an iconic place that offers such uh easy access to really phenomenal terrain mm-hmm. a lot of the big production companies and professional athletes come through and so if you're kind of like if you're in the know enough to to like follow the the ski and snowboard industry yeah you're standing in line next to pro skiers and notice but if you're just somebody here on vacation that doesn't really follow the ski industry right you can be riding up with the best skier in the world on the chairlift and have no idea wow so it's 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 kind of funny too and you're like you know like travis rice is maybe one of the best snowboarders on the planet and he's from Jackson, lives here. And so when he's not traveling the world, you'll see him snowboarding around the resort. Mm-hmm. He'll get on the chairlift in front of you. And then you're like with these clients and you like don't want to blow up Travis's spot. And, and like, you're like, hey, you ever take a picture with Travis? So you like yeah. don't say anything, but the people you're with have no idea that like this icon is sitting in front and of you. And inside you're freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> It depends on who it is. For somebody like Travis, I mean, I, I, he's such a nice dude. I've met him a few times, and like, mm-hmm. yes, I still freak out. It's Travis Rice, but like, it's also like I know if I say hi, he'll say hi back and have like a pretty cool conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely times where, you know, you're <laughs> there's other times too when people like that are around, or even like you know celebrities in the lift line or like people of importance, and you're like mm-hmm. with a client. And you're just like kind of in your head and you're like, please don't make me look bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, like don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me. Don't, don't say anything ridiculous. Like just let's do this. <laughs> I Be see cool. Get on the lift. Keep your mouth yeah. shut. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's part one of that question. Part two, maybe on the slightly more ominous side, have you ever run into any sort of issues from a, safety standpoint like obviously there's avalanche danger out there there's bear situation like there's there's some wild out you're, you're out there this isn't like you're skiing in you know from i'll say it vermont but like yeah. you're, you're you're really in it out there like have you run into any issues uh with while you're guiding or while you're just like doing stuff on your own um yeah for sure um a little bit of both i think uh Last year, a story that comes to mind is we had we had a really big snow year and a very condensed amount of time. So like February in particular was like, I think the snowiest on record last year. 
Um, and so what happens when there's a lot of snow in a short period of time is wildlife, moose in particular, start coming down from higher elevations because mm -hmm. they can't they can't navigate that the deep snow. And so there was a lot of moose like at the base of the resort last huh. year. Um, and you know, there's, I think the internet went a little crazy with like people taking videos of moose, like running through lift lines and things like that. But towards the base, um, there was a day where I was working with a group with another instructor. It was like a large group and we were kind of both hired on to, to help mm. them and coming around this corner towards the tram towards like the base of the mountain there's like just this natural bend like a c-shaped bend with trees on both sides and as we're coming around the corner these two moose come running out of the, the woods like into the middle of the ski slope and like split the group so like there's the families that we were with were like a mix of parents and kids and like yeah. all the parents kept going and like got cut off there in front they have no idea this happened uh -huh. and like we're all behind like slamming on the brakes so that we don't run into these moose yeah and the other instructor that i was working with was a skier and so there's a bunch of clients on skis and if you picture skiing like you can almost like you have two independent feet. You can skate away. You can yeah. maneuver away from the moose. I'm on a snowboard and there's this like nine or 10 year old kid that I'm working with on a snowboard. And he's got, he's like sitting down cause he hit the brakes. He's already sitting down, yeah. both feet still strapped in, like kind of butt scooching backwards, like away from this moose. And I'm just like, well, fuck like, <laughs> now, now what? And so like making sure that no one else is coming and trying to keep an eye on on the moose like are they going to charge us are they not and it starts to show signs of distress like it's going to charge mm -hmm. so i unstrap one of my feet and i like power skate towards this kid and i just like picked him up off the ground and kept going past this moose yeah and i'm like fuck i really hope this moose like doesn't, doesn't charge um dude i would rather run into a bear every day of the week instead of a moose really uh, yeah the way i the way i describe it is like like yeah, i think there's a there's reason enough to be afraid of both bears are are kind of like your stoner roommate that you like catch eating your food in the middle of the night and like scare the shit out of like in uh -huh. the kitchen and they like freak out and react but they're they're your stoner roommate so they're like mellow otherwise moose are like the drunk frat guy at the bar that's trying to fight you yeah they're just aggressive by nature and so like squaring up on a moose is just not something i'm ever interested in doing if i can avoid it i'm gonna try my best to so you you escaped the moose in that particular instance the 10 year old boy was not taken into the hills of jackson hole by no moose. yeah we we escaped and honestly i don't think you realize how like close of a call it was because i was like cracking jokes afterwards to try to like lighten the mood right that was that was sketchy yeah <laughs> oh i can only imagine all right so you obviously have this like you know this life in the winter time of ski you know skiing and guiding and snowboarding and that's like a big part of kind of what you do seasonally but mm -hmm. you mentioned you also do speaking so tell me a little bit about that so are you just speaking in Jackson? Are you traveling around speaking? 
what are you speaking about? You know, what is that piece of your puzzle? Sure. Um, so I'm a public speaker. Uh, I get hired to, to travel around the country and speak to mostly like middle school, high school and college students. Um, and I talk about personal leadership skills, um, like mental health issues and going like outside and the benefits of outdoor recreation. And mm -hmm. I kind of focus on the, the tangible intersection of those things. So you can actually like gain a lot from going outside um, as far as personal leadership skills and then use those skills and those tools to mitigate mental health and just your everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, for me that that's started kind of in college. Um, and then when I was working for Knowles, I was uh, working in their marketing department and traveling uh, quite a bit um, on their behalf to promote the products that they were offering. Uh, Knowles is an outdoor leadership school that takes kids on trips like around the world and mm -hmm. teaches them um, skills in a backcountry setting. So you might've heard of other organizations like Outward Bound yeah. or things like that that are similar. Um, and so when I was promoting Knowles trips, uh, I went on a full semester, 90 days in the woods with Knowles when I was in college and it completely changed and saved my life. Um, and so when I graduated and went back and was working for Knowles, um, I just really believed in the mission and the product. And so as I was traveling around and speaking for them, more mm -hmm. and more of my own story started coming into that as not like a sales pitch, but just like, Hey, like I can personally attest and right. walk kind of thing. Um, and then when I left Knowles uh, and moved to Jackson, I was pursuing other things and, and starting my own website and things like that. But I got invited to speak at a leadership conference in Massachusetts um, and put together this keynote and got really good feedback on it. It was very well received. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, I think I really have something here. Let me sort of see where this goes. Um, and so I, I put it all together and, through word of mouth and through um, some marketing on my own end started getting asked to come give my presentation to, to different organizations. Wow. So I have a, I have a lot of questions that coming off of that. So maybe to start, is it, you know, where do I want to start here? Is it the same kind of presentation that you're giving every time? Like that kind of same package is, you know, doesn't change more or less from spot to spot. Yeah. I, um, I mean, depending on the age of the audience, I have a few different versions, um, of what I speak about, but it's, it's essentially the same like 60 to 90 minute keynote. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is mostly like individual schools that are reaching out to you and it's, a, it's, you know, Billy Smith middle school that's saying, Hey, we'd love to have you come and speak to all of our sixth graders and you'll go in and it's kind of like assembly style and you'll go and speak. Is that mostly what it is? Yeah. Um, so I'll get asked to speak at schools, um, conferences. Um, but yeah, mostly targeted towards 
um, that like middle to high school, sometimes college range. But mm-hmm. I think like a big thing for me is that I, I speak about my own struggles with mental health, with depression and anxiety. And having grown up in, in Massachusetts, um, some of those other pressures of just being a, a high schooler, being a middle schooler, mm-hmm. um, playing competitive sports, you know, having a, just an overload of schoolwork and societal expectations. Um, I had some family dynamics that were pretty challenging growing up. And so honestly, the something that inspired me to start like honestly sharing my story transparent in a transparent way to an audience of kids is like, I just would have benefited from that. If somebody yeah. had been that front and honest with me at that age. Um, and I think it's, it's something that a lot of, a lot of, I say kids, but like young adults, teenagers, yeah. um, and even older, just like, aren't used to hearing. They're like, wait, mom and dad. And you know, coach Smith and president or excuse me, principal, whoever, uh, told me that I like need to be a lawyer or like work in finance and in mm-hmm. major city, you know, are you saying that like, there are other things that I can do in life and it's okay. And it's like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like do, do what makes you happy. Number one, number two, if you don't know what that is, there are ways to figure it out. Like there there is no timeline that says you need to have your life figured out by age 15. And it looks like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so encouraging people to kind of break the mental barriers and and formations and structures that they've created or have been created for them almost. Mm -hmm. And to be proactive about looking beyond those and like striving for positive growth in any way like yeah i trying to have that level of impact is is kind of the whole point of the project that's amazing so do you find do you find that you like obviously you're you know young kid in your 20s like do you think that has like if would your story be as impactful if you were 45 and these kids like parents age and you're trying to go in and speak to them like do you think that has any sort of impact or no um I don't know. I'm not yeah. 45. Uh, I haven't experienced it on that, on that side. I do think that part of why it works is because I'm young enough, like close enough in age to them. Um, I mean, I'm 26, but like close enough in age to them, mm-hmm. um, sharing about experiences that happened to me when mm-hmm. I was their age, mm-hmm. showing them the other side of being, um, having come out the other side yep. and, and showing them that like, Hey, high school, number one is temporary as is anything in life. Right. Uh, be, you're going to be okay. Like you're yeah. going to kind of make it, uh, it might not be how you thought it looked, but like, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. So how many of these like speaking engagements do you do over the course of the year? Um, it depends. I think this year is going to look a lot different for me because of coronavirus and the fact that a lot of schools are not in session for yeah. education in, in a physical location. You know, they're doing um, like virtual classes, yeah. I think, in a lot of places. And so with that question mark and then also with, you know, 
the budget restrictions that come with mm-hmm. um, with that, I'm not sure that I will be able to fulfill a lot of what I had expected to. But mm-hmm. I would say that um, depending on what I got going on in my life with other jobs, I stay pretty busy. It could be anywhere from like a month on the road to like, um, you know, in like the spring or fall to like having a few one-offs for like a week in the yeah. spring or fall. Gotcha. But changes, on a, changes on what I'm willing to take on with what I got going on, which is nice. Um, I can kind of control the demand of it and how much I take on. And then right. also, you know, things beyond my control, like this year mm-hmm. with the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And are these things like, you obviously said you're doing a little bit of marketing, but it's mostly been word of mouth. Like, are you going all over the country or do you know that you've got a good pocket in Massachusetts where you grew up or in Wyoming around the resort? Like, are you kind of bouncing all over the place? Um, bouncing all over the place to an extent. I think that, uh, like from a, from a business perspective, um, the new England market works really well for me and the mm-hmm. content that I deliver because I, I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, I went to public school through middle school and then went to a private high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to Vermont, the university of Vermont for college. And so in that, I know that there's a lot of similarity to me in mm-hmm. new England. Yeah. So talking to students who are going through like copycats of exactly what I went through. Yep. It's just it's a good business model that works because it's a good target audience. Um, that said, there are other places in the country that also fit that. Yeah. And then also other places um, that get something else out of it aside from what the New England factor gets out of this. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And do you find that like this is something that you're super passionate about and you would want to scale this up. And like, obviously you're not speaking 365 days a year or 12 months out of the year. Like, would you want this someday to be your full-time gig of traveling and speaking? And that would be your thing. Or, you know, I know you like to write and you, you know, outdoor content and skiing and, you know, would, you know, do you see yourself continuing to like make the speaking piece a bigger part of the pie? Um, a bigger part of the pie. Yes. Um, the only part of the pie. No. Um, I think that for me as a, just as a person, I really like the, um, the life equation that I've created for myself Mm -hmm. as far as different things that I'm doing. Um, sometimes it gets to be a lot to juggle and sometimes I think that it can be hard to maintain, but, um, I really like the the variety. I really like the um, the different aspects of what I'm pursuing professionally, and I like how they're stitched together in the proportions that they are. Um, I think for me, speaking is it's kind of a passion project where like I like the the impact that it has on yeah. other people. Um, I don't know if it would lose some of that gloss if I made it full full-time. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to take the gamble to find out either. Um, I like, uh, with the expedition journal and the, and the outdoor content, um, and the writing and marketing that goes into the ski and snowboard industry, like my, 
experience as a snowboarder and as a skier for my entire life, like that lets me be on snow, which is important to right. me. Also gives me the intellectual challenge of producing content um, and doing sort of the, the strategy and, and brand marketing behind it. Yeah. Um, and then doing the speaking in addition to that kind of combines my worlds of outdoor experience that I have and then mm-hmm. also impact on others. Um, I think that was sort of a long winded answer, yeah. but hopefully it painted a picture. <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like that. One last question on the speaking thing. Like mm. does I, I don't know many kids in their twenties that are like going around and getting paid to speak like how how does it pay one are they like flying you out to come and speak for one day and then you send back are you doing it on your own dime and they'll pay you to like show up for the hour like how does that payment yeah. model work? um it's gotten better as i've gone um yeah i you know living in in wyoming um getting somebody to that wants that's interested in me um yeah to come speak to their audience, like definitely have a conversation about like, cool, like what are you looking for? Do you want me to talk to the high school? Do you want me to talk to the middle school? Do you want me to talk to both one hour, two hours? Different yeah. days? Um, and then a lot of times what I'll try to do is if I'm going to be in a certain area, I'll tap some other school systems in that area and yeah. be like, Hey, I'm going to be there um, and try to fit in, like make a trip out kind of worth right. my while and their while. Um, and so, yeah, getting, getting the cost of flying out there covered and then getting paid to like for the time that I'm speaking yep. there. Um, it compensates pretty good. Um, it's as a, as a time chunk to travel, like, I will definitely go speak for, for one event. I prefer to lump a few together yeah, um, just so that I'm not like flying across the country for an hour and then, right. flying. And then flying back. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So last, I want to get into, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to get into a little bit the expedition journal piece, like the writing side of things, because that's closest to my world of stuff that I love. But so you've now been keeping this, you know, cite the expedition journal it looks like for over two years now, um, mm-hmm. kind of documenting your own outdoor adventures, it seems, but then, you know, from what I can gather, you have a, an obsession with outdoor, you know, adventure content, if you will. So kind of pulling in experiences of others to the site as well. So tell me a little bit about like starting that site up. Why, you know, why'd you start it in the first place? And like, how has it continued to evolve as you've you know grown with it? Yeah. Um, great question. I think for, for the origin of the expedition journal, um, it's, it's kind of all tied in, um, to the public speaking, to my background, to the skiing and snowboarding. Um, I am definitely a nerd, like an outdoor sports nerd. I just, the way that other kids growing up knew, like, stats from baseball cards and like athletes in, in the major sports. Like I follow team sports too, but like I can just, I, I've always been able to tell you like which snowboarder rides for which brand and like yeah. if they switch sponsorships and like 
what they got at the X games as far as medals and like just always been kind of infatuated with the world of outdoor sports. Yeah. And so growing up in Massachusetts, there weren't a whole lot of other people that, that I shared that with. Like I had some friends who were interested in it probably because I was interested in it and like would talk about it. But like for me, that's kind of just always been the lifeblood. Um, skiing and snowboarding. I started skiing when I was two and then snowboarding when I was seven and I've been doing both since and teaching both. Um, and so when I went to, to college, UVM is a very ski and snowboard centric school. And yeah. I was like, cool, I'm probably like, I'm finally going to meet other people right. that are right. interested in this. Um, I definitely did not at the scale that I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very fortunate to like through a friend, I ended up working for ski the East in college. Um, and that was sort of like a, it cracked open the shell into the the ski and snowboard world and the snow industry. And it was just like, Oh, like, cool. I have a view into the landscape now. Um, and those guys were incredibly supportive and fun to work with. Um, still kind of keep in touch on mm-hmm. loosely on social media as everybody does. But um, when I started working uh, like after college in a, uh, like a professional capacity, it, it has always been something that I wanted to do. Like when people are like, Oh, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I'm going to work in the ski and snowboard industry. Yeah. Um, and so it, it always seemed like this larger than life thing to me where it's like, how am I going to get my foot in the door? Mm-hmm. And truth be told, it's a really small industry. Uh, there's a lot of overlap between companies like, you know, brand managers that used to work at other brands and right. in other capacities and maybe started as an intern. And um, anyway, point being, uh, I started the expedition journalism as a professional outlet for myself to like, kind of craft some of those skills that I was Mm -hmm. hoping to use. Um, And also I didn't see a whole lot of opportunities that looked like I wanted them to look. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to make my own. Right. Um, And so since then it's, it's been something that I've been trying to keep going um, and just see what it turns into. Um, And yeah, I think for, for the people in my own social spheres, like keeping up on Facebook and Instagram and whatever over the years, mm-hmm. they've always been interested in, you know, me getting up at 3am to go hike up to, you know, 11,000 feet and snowboard this couloir. Mm-hmm. And so when I post it, they're like, well, like that's just not something that they do on a daily basis. Right. So it was like, cool. There's interest here in the content I'm putting out. Let me see if I can, offer it at scale mm-hmm. and then mix it with the industry that I'm just passionate about skiing yep. and snowboarding and like just outdoor lifestyle. And then also it provides sort of a, a catch all net as like, you know, consuming content, but also as a way to get a hold of me. Like I have my public speaking um, content on that right. corner of that website and, contact me and about me so like 
there's the industry that I'm living and working in. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, cool, here's also something that I'm doing on this side. And then here's how you can get in touch with me if you want to work together in any of these capacities. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so curious. One, like you have so much already going on. How do you find the time to make for writing and keeping it up? Like you're pretty, it seems like pretty regimented about like keeping it updated and refreshing it and, you know, coming up with new content. Yeah. I think, um, somebody that dives pretty head on into projects. Um, and I'm a really firm believer in like, you get out what you put in. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, in the other professional roles that I've had, I just, I like to, I like to do things the right way. Um, not necessarily for other people's, I mean, like you want to do a good job for your boss or something. Right. But also like, like the way that I do things is very calculated and very Mm -hmm. strategic. Um, and I just kind of apply that lens across the board to my life. And, um, if it's something that I want to come to fruition or want to happen, like you have to change the input value in order to get the the output value. And so I've tried to maintain time management, um, which admittedly in the winter is really difficult. Um, being at the mountain every day, um, you know, there's, there were seasons and I'm not doing this anymore, but there were seasons where you're like at the mountain all day, every day with clients. And then, you know, a few nights a week after you finish up with your clients for the day, it's like sprint to the restaurant and now I'm serving tables or bartending until close and then getting up and doing it again. And that's just fucking exhausting. Um, worth like worthwhile financially in some, in some aspects. I'm certainly not knocking it. Like it helped me out for sure. But I think, um, even just having, you know, a snowboard clientele or a ski clientele and and being at the mountain all day, especially if it's storming, like commute to the mountain, the commute home from the mountain, when you're, you're getting home, it's like, yeah, Yeah, now I got to do this other thing on the side. Um, so a lot of what I try to do is when I have the time, just like mass produce content. Um, some of that is topical. Like there are things that happen in the industry that like, you know, if I wrote it now and published it a month from now might not be relevant anymore, but there's things that are relevant. And sometimes my own stories of my own, like what I'm doing kind of serve that purpose because there's not really a timeline on it. It's just like, Ooh, story time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have this good Um, thing to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's the, um, from the, the back end of, of website analytics, being able to, to schedule posts, um, you know, for down the line and then also queue up social posts in, you know, correlation with the content post mm-hmm. from the website and just like schedule those in one, like sit down and just schedule everything out and then not worry about it for a little bit. is right. super helpful. Um, a lot of times too, I'll have an idea for um, content that, as I said, I'm kind of a nerd. So I'd, I'd, I know the piece already and I know yeah. that, you know, this snowboarder rides for this company and his background looks like this. But then there's 
still like a an element of professionalism that comes with doing the research and yeah. fact checking and making sure you got it right instead of just going on a hunch and mm-hmm. that adds time for sure yeah so what would be like what is the go- maybe back up a little bit what is you know have you made any sort of connections within the outdoor industry like strictly through this site like you know you're seemingly blogging and posting about some of the biggest outdoor athletes in the world, like on the site, have you made any connections just by way of the content that you're creating? Um, from the, the content piece, honestly, like not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say from being in the industry, like there was a lot that I did up until this point that like, I think, added to that more yeah um there there was a guy named alex kaufman who used to be the marketing guy at ski the east um and he is no longer at ski the east um he does uh just property management um but has been in the ski industry for a long time and Mm -hmm. um he had a had still has a podcast called wintry mix and while I was in Vermont, um, was able to like work with him on, on some of those. Um, and he's just been a, like, he helped me a lot at ski the East and has been mm-hmm. a good professional kind of resource on the side as well. But there's also just like the different pieces along the way. Like when I worked at Knowles getting to go to outdoor retailer and mm-hmm. like kind of brush elbows with other people, you know, in the industry and then, even like instructing here in, in Jackson um, and being interested in split boarding in the backcountry, yeah. um, like Jackson hole has some of the, the most like quiet badasses you've ever met in your entire life. Like they, mm-hmm. some of the guides and ski professionals and snowboard professionals and, and even just like, you know, Joe Schmo who works a marketing job in town, like, Oh, you mean he already skied three couloirs this morning and then is sitting at his desk at 9am and didn't, you know, nobody knows, but like you could ski movie about just that. It's like, yeah, that's everybody (laughs) in this town. Um, So as far as connections, I think like having been a trip leader for uh, a few different Mm -hmm. companies um, and having kind of always just followed my interests of outdoor and skiing snowboard, and getting to know the, the people from the community, I've found that like those people turn into really good connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out like, Oh, you're an Arcteryx athlete. I didn't know that, but like we're friends now. And so like now, now I know that, you know, right. like, it's, it's been more organic than like somebody seeing some right. of my content hitting me up and being like, let's be friends now. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, like I've, my site, I probably started right around the same time as you of like, uh, you know, starting to consistently put out content and you get a weird, you get some weird ones every once in a while. Like, but for the most part, it's been sort of like secondary relationships that have started to to form that I've, I've found at least. Um, so yeah. like for you, what would be the expedition journal? Like what would be the goal? What is the dream for you of three, five, 10 years down the road, something like that. Like what, did, what do you see it or what would you dream of it becoming? 
Um, I think kind of just a bigger version of what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the work that I'm doing. Um, I really enjoy this this stuff. I really love writing. I really love um, kind of the strategy uh, that goes into like branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to keep putting out outdoor industry content. Um, I would, what I'd really like to do is in the coming years, um, maybe partner with some, some brands that would like to collaborate on projects and and maybe get into some film, um, Mm -hmm. and do, you know, some, some bigger trips and create film projects from them and then also be able to create written content from them. Um, and then, you know, that's always been kind of a pipe dream of mine. I can yeah. eat and snow as well. So being able to use my skills uh, as an athlete and then also on like the back end um, and create projects around that would be really, really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and then if, you know, if that doesn't happen, um, I've always been kind of a plan A, B and C person. And I think, just by doing this and taking this path and putting the work into this project, mm-hmm. like if that doesn't come to fruition, but somebody else was interested um, in, in what I had been doing uh, and then offered me a, an opportunity to use those skills either for another company or another mm-hmm. um, space in the outdoor industry, it was a good project for myself to, to keep going until it didn't make sense to anymore. Yep. That's, I always think about that way. I'm like writing online or anything like that. It's basically just like an ongoing resume more or less. I'm like at the end of the day, if I get nothing else out of this, it's a pretty good log to point somebody towards of like, oh, here's the things that I'm capable of and that I can do. Like if nothing else. Totally. And it's, uh, it seems like you're, you're similar in this regard, but I've just, I've never really been a fan of traditional. And mm-hmm. so like, instead of looking at the, the stencil outlined options that were in front of me and being like, Hmm, I picked that one. I was like, no, I'd rather create my own. Um, and so being able to, to do this in this way, is like, it's super freeing. It's super rewarding. You get out what you put in and then, yeah, if it, if it turns into something, Hey, I tried. And if it doesn't, then I am no worse off for it because I've been using these skills and gaining this experience all the while. I think I need to clip that as like the headline for this show, just because that was like a perfect, <laughs> just that's more or less what the entire purpose of this whole show is and, and what everybody I'm talking to is. So that was like, you fucking nailed it. Sick. <laughs> is a wrap on this week's episode of destination different i think i i'm not sure but i think derek just maybe took my job i mean that statement that he made there at the end i just want i just want to like bottle it up and make that the official slogan of destination different like he perfectly encapsulated what it means to choose a different life and you know pursue a different uh 
career path or trajectory. He absolutely nailed it. So huge thank you to Derek for joining the show today. I thought he was a fantastic guest and so multifaceted. I mean, you know, usually I get kind of one untraditional career path. Today I got three. We got a, a triple threat with the you know, backcountry skiing, with the writing, and with the public speaking. Uh, was certainly an interesting guy to talk to, so a huge thank you to Derek. Be sure to check him out uh, at theexpeditionjournal.com and over on Instagram at theexpeditionjournal. I hope everybody is staying safe out there and being healthy. Um, I have no fucking clue when this thing is going to end. None of us do. Um, but, you know, what I, if I learned anything from, from Derek today and doing this interview, it's that, you know, there are still opportunities and ways to challenge yourself and to try new things. And if anything, right now during this, this time, it's a good opportunity to reflect on some of that and, you know, maybe take a look at yourself and think, okay, what is, what is something that I want to do? What is something that I want to try and actually go out and do it? Um, so hope everybody is is healthy that's you know priority number 1 but hope this interview gave you a little juice i know it did with me to go out and um you know maybe try something new in the next week or the next month uh while this uh this quarantine or this new normal continues to establish itself so thank you as always for joining i hope everybody enjoyed as much as i did this interview um We will see you back here once again next week, next Wednesday, with another episode of Destination Different. And I will leave you again, as I always do. Stay weird. I had a dream. You gave me superpowers. We fell in love. For just a couple hours I can't tell the difference Between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood So I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby I hope that you know the words